You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. Boys and girls, ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Stadium Miguel. It's your favorite Uncle Silk. It's Dan. In all kinds of weather, Nick Delatore is not here. Yeah, Nick is not here. Nick uh, is is gone missing on us. I'm sure who will uh, get it. join us shortly. But uh, right now, it's this is time to shine. Years. It's a negative situation. He can really like thrive yeah. on, and he's not here. He's letting the, he's letting the people down a little bit. I'm telling you what, man, he missed the time that he had to uh, stand up for special teams, and now he's the one that was uh, calling for the Gators to lose against uh, Kentucky, and, and he's not here. So uh, mm. at least he's an equal opportunity uh, opportunity misser of the pod. Yeah, no, he keep it. He keep it consistent. <laughs> he keep it consistent, oh, man. man. We'll see if he pops in here. Uh, he may be still sleeping in. We don't know. It's been a rough weekend uh, for the Gators. But how how you feeling? How was your weekend, man? Yeah. I seen you on yeah, saw you, saw you Friday. Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you you were in Tampa. We swung over, met you at Hattricks for a little while. Sorry, it was a a few minutes later than I thought. Uh, work was kicking my butt Friday All afternoon. Good. All good. Then, what an uh, establishment, Hattricks. Yeah. That that place is incredible, isn't it? Uh good. I food, walked good in at like yeah, I walked in at like 132 and it was jumping on a Friday. So I don't know the hockey schedule, anything that's going on. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell's going on? This place is packed for a random 130 Friday, you know. And then um our man's came in from from Fango. Yeah, Jeff. And, and he, Jeff, shout out my my guy Jeff. He met us over there and he kind of broke it down. Nah, we got a hockey game tonight, so this is the main spot in Tampa where people come kick it at before the games. Mm-hmm. After the game, it's, it was a whole vibe, man. So, in the grouper, is never bad when I'm in Tampa. No, 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 no. Uh, it, it's a uh, it's a great spot, man. It's one of my favorites. I live a, a couple blocks away, so I'm there probably once a week. I was actually there on both Friday and Saturday. Uh, this week saw you Friday, went back Saturday, but no, it's a great spot. Uh, if you're ever in Tampa, great bar food. It's like an elevated bar food. Uh, but it's a, it's a great place to be if it's it's right next to downtown or it's in downtown right next to kind of all the office buildings and stuff downtown. But right before hockey games, it's one of the only places. There's a few now, uh, but it's been there for a long time now. So it is the hockey bar of choice for uh, for uh, for Tampa. Pardon me, uh, but it's a it's a great spot. Some uh, some great food, um, yeah. great schools if that's what you're looking for as well. So yeah, very good eye candy in that place if you're into like aesthetics. Great yeah. place to pop by just to, you know, check out the decorations. Just you, to look you around. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, yeah, a little window <laughs> shopping, you know. <laughs> Never hurt nobody. Yeah, but uh, I got to tell you a quick story. Saturday morning, uh, I put I put this on, uh, on Twitter, but uh, Saturday morning, I play around a round of golf and we were going to get done right as the Gator game uh, was going to get started. So uh, I get there and uh, it's me, me and my buddy that I always play are two guys that I always play with. And then there's a, a fourth in our group that I'd never met before. So I get there. I didn't know who the, the fourth person was. So I'm there before my two friends are there. So I get my stuff put in a golf cart. It's one of those places where they strap the, the bag in there for you. So anyway, I get there, go, go pay. 
go right into the pro shop for a second, come back out. And they're like, oh, by the way, the guy that you're with is here. So we're going to move your bag from this cart to this other one. I said, all right, cool. So the driving range is 10 feet away from where hole number one is. So we all tee off on hole one, pipe the drive right down the middle. It's beautiful. Anyway, yeah. we go to we go to driving away in about a second and a half into it. I just hear a thud on the ground. I look back and my I golf love. clubs are on the ground. Uh, and so I go, I pick it up and my driver is snapped in half. Mm. So I look back at the, there's this, what, what's called a starter there. He, he calls everybody out for their tea time. I look back at him, I put my hands there. I'm like, what's going on here? He's like, we'll handle it later. So get around to hole nine. And uh, he takes my golf club. He's like, we'll just give you a new one. I'm like, well, it's nice as that would be to, so I could finish my round. It was, uh, you know, not flexing here, but it was a custom fitted driver for me. He's like, I'll be mm. back. So like four holes later, uh, he comes by and says, our pro shop guy isn't here today, which is information he also could have shared earlier. He'll be in touch. I said, well, he doesn't have a way to get in touch with me. My buddy's a member of the club and I don't know how we're going to do this. He's like, I said what I said, Joe will be in touch. I said, all right, so I am currently waiting for a uh, for a phone call this morning to hopefully get a new driver. Uh, if not, I'm going to go scorched earth. So I uh, might use this platform uh, to encourage people not to golf there again. But until we get a resolution, but that is not the way that I wanted to start my Saturday. Then the Gators get demolished. Then the Miami Oof. Dolphins put up just an abomination of a game. I yesterday. tried to warn you guys about them Dolphins, man. Yeah, man, this listen. is just not a day, not a sports weekend. For Dan the man, but uh, we'll be back at it this week. Hopefully, it can only go up from here. It could, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, <laughs> it could possibly know. go down, know. you know. Count your blessings, bro. When they hot, when it's high, you ride ride it high, bro. When it's low, it's, it's low these days, bro. That's how yeah. I go. But um, condolences to your driver. Sorry to hear yeah. that, bro. Yeah, you know, same. It's, it's like a year old, too. Right? I got mm. one swing out of it, but I guess the good the good thing about it is my final swing was with it was a great drive down the middle. So uh, let's get into the game. Man, oh, man, not what we thought we'd be talking about. But, so before we do that, do want to uh, thank you for uh, setting everything up in Gainesville uh, on Tuesday. If you guys haven't listened or haven't watched, go check our collaboration out with the Gator Nation football podcast, sure. James and Allen. Awesome time. Really, really great time being with those guys. Uh, we'll do it again. Uh, you guys received it really well. I thought our chemistry was elite. Um, Vibish, man. Purposes. No docket. That was just all off the cuff. Like, we had no pre-show notes. No, we didn't share anything. We just sat down, cut the cameras on. Shout out to my guy, Lion, our videographer and creative director at the Roll Up, Roll Up Network. Um, super good with the visuals. Our sound is going to be better next time. We just thought we was going to have a qu more quieter environment. Mm -hmm. over at the social that didn't work out shot we, we appreciate the hospitality but yep. we'll have a quieter environment next time so the audio will be a little bit more crisper but yeah uh enjoyed that whole conversation the vibes real football talk missed with some personality our new guys do a great job over there and i thought we did a good job of, of collaborating we're gonna do more of that absolutely so if you haven't go uh if you haven't go check it out go listen to it go follow and support those guys are as well they're awesome uh individuals doing great stuff for our uh community of podcasting sorry about that uh so let's get into the show but before we do that I want to give a shout out to our friends over at the gataverse go visit gataverse.io and get your signed trevor etn digital collectible they're also working with the volleyball team and women's basketball team as 
as well as adding players on a pretty consistent and regular basis. Go support Gataverse.io. That's G-A-T-A-V-E-R-S-E.io. And we are going to be giving away five signed digital collectibles for Trevor Etienne uh, here in the next couple of days. So be on the lookout for that. Beyond supporting NIL, you're also going to get access to uh, some great discounts and, and coupons around uh, Gainesville when you do go visit. So again, Gataverse.io. So let's give, uh, we have um, Chris Sorley with a super chat. Gents, let's take a moment of silence for the attempted murder on Saturday and all God's people said, amen. We will take that collective moment of silence now. All right, we're back. Thanks, Chris. Uh, please, while you're here, make sure you like and subscribe to um, to our YouTube page uh, and throw a like button on there. It is free. So Silk Gators get absolutely humbled against Kentucky. Let's Humble get you even your high-level thoughts here. 33-14, to 14, final score. Oof, my thoughts definitely had to be high this weekend. I, I had to. I had to take it there, bro. It was it was a rough outing. It started from from gate from the go. You know, um, we we get into a third and long hole on our first drive. Uh, somehow we get a we we manage to run for a first down, but then we get a holding call. It was like third and fifteen. Uh, Montreal Johnson runs one for first down. They call holding on uh, Khalil Jackson, mm -hmm. uh, which was an egregious call. Like watching it, but it is what it is. Refs are gonna happen. I'm not gonna blame the refs or anything, but. Uh, that drops us back five more yards. We couldn't pick up the, the first down, but we punt the ball. And I'm thinking, like, right now, a oh, field position type of situation. I want to see where we land at here. We punt the ball. It goes to their 10. Which I'm like, oh, man, he, he crushed the kick. My defense? Yeah, these boys not about to go 90 yards on my defense. Ain't no damn way. We about to get the ball back with decent field position. That's my line of thought there. Them boys marched the ball 90 yards, man, running down our throat, you know, and that was – that was a bad sign from go, but, you know, wasn't ready to quit on anything. I thought we were still in, in fine shape. We're just adjusting to what we got to do, but it was just more the same. We couldn't stop the run. We couldn't tackle anybody, and we couldn't run the ball. Our offensive line wasn't blocking a soul uh, from an energy standpoint, just super flat. Uh, in my belief, bro, when you go on the road, obviously this team is feeding off the energy from the stadium, right? Mm -hmm. They're talented. We've seen the ceiling of what they could be. Or, or somewhat of the ceiling where they could be when things are humming. Uh, first half of Tennessee, we saw that. And we all, as fans, you know, got a little giddy about what this team could look like when everything's hitting a little bit. But it's this game, you know, we didn't have the home crowd. Mm -hmm. And, they, and, I, and like just looking back at the Tennessee game, this team fed off of that. When we go on the road, what energy are they feeding off of? The, our coach is very flat. That's one of the things we get into the X's and O's and the stats and all of that. But just from mm -hmm. a, you know what what I was seeing, we need some energy from somewhere when you're on the road. It ain't coming from. We don't have a rah rah guy like a Tim Tebow that's you know getting the players hyped up. I like Austin Armstrong on defense, and you can see the energy and those guys feed off of him a little bit. But energy was down. The game plan was weak. You know, um, Trey Wilson was put on the depth chart for. But just, you know, games to be played between coaches. It, it wasn't any substance to it. So mm -hmm. that was a letdown. Um, Caleb Douglas is a playmaker. We should throw him on 50-50 balls, especially when the offense is struggling. Like, mm -hmm. His success rate with the 50-50 ball is pretty good. Uh, ETN, those carries, we tried to lie for Billy last week, you know, and it didn't work mm -hmm. out this week. Um, I, I, I don't like the even carries. Even though our offensive line wasn't blocking well, 
the stats have shown that ETN breaks more tackles. So even if the mm -hmm. line's not blocking well, he's still your better back. So, mm -hmm. like, a lot of things just not making sense from that standpoint. You know, the offensive coordinator thing, we've all been on board with that mm -hmm. at this point. We know it's not going to happen in the middle of the season or, you know. But, like, it's time to, like, you know, we got a season to play out. But at this point, we kind of see what this is. We, we need a special teams coach. Yeah. Uh, we need an offensive coordinator. And to be able to get both of those on the staff, you're going to have to blow this up a little bit. But that's my yeah. overall view from it. The team was soft, yeah. unprepared. And when we go on the road, we do not. We look like a complete shit show. Yeah. No. The Soak you mentioned, uh, Gators are one and seven under Billy Napier on the road. Eight and two at home. Obviously, uh, numbers that you don't like to see. Uh, but being one and seven away, obviously the Gators do play a tough schedule. But you're going to have that schedule every year for the rest of your time coaching uh, at the University of Florida, and you are always going to have at least five away games every year. So Florida's got to figure out a way to get more energetic, more enthusiastic. I know that there was a couple players that mentioned that the game was at noon instead of the later kickoffs. You got to figure out a way to get jacked up and energized for that game because you have those three and a half hours. You don't get to play the game again. Uh, you have to be jazzed up and ready to go at the time you're ready to get kicked off. And, you know, I can understand being a little bit slow out of the gate, but to be slow the entire game, uh, you look at the score 33 to 14, I don't even know if it was that close, to be honest with you. I, I don't think that there was really a time that I ever thought that UF could really get in the game and put themselves in a sustainable position to be able to return back into the game. Um, just, just overall, a, a just a, a really rocky performance. And you know, you start to look back on it. You know, Florida didn't look great against Utah. Obviously, McNeese State they moved the ball in the first, uh, or you know, during that game very, very well, especially in the first, you know, three quarters. Uh, Tennessee, they look great on offense in the first half, uh, really go conservative in the second half. Again, Charlotte, they move the ball, aren't able to punch it into the end zone, and then this Kentucky game. So, again, Florida has a couple of good halves this entire season. Other than that, it's either been conservative or, or pretty lackluster. And so uh, it's starting to create some, some cause for concern and, and wonder what's happening you know, with the team right now. I know it's young, but... Uh, but at some point in time, you have to be able to capitalize on that momentum, and they're not been able to do that this far. Yeah, it's some some of our older guys has got to step up at some point. You know, we mm -hmm. still got some holdovers from the Mullen era, but Princely is, is he like that's my guy. But he, bro, you're not playing, you're not playing big boy football right now. You're not playing. You know, I I, I see the PFF and all of that, mm -hmm. dog. But when you cut the tape on, like it was some some sometimes he just got to crash down and just put his helmet into somebody's chest. He's just not doing that. Um, so, like, even Jalen Kimber, he's an older guy at this point. He's not a young guy on his roster. And the tackling from him, Miguel Mitchell, like, I don't care about the age of these guys and COVID seniors and all of that, bro. Mm -hmm. Like, when you're coming up tackling with your arms and hands, like, I'm, I'm to a youth movement in the secondary as well mm -hmm. at this point. You know, you got Miguel Mitchell. He ain't tackling nobody. He ain't making no, no. plays. Put Bryce Thornton in the game. If Jalen Kimber is not going to tackle nobody, put Jakeem Jackson in the game. Like, we go full youth movement if we're going to get embarrassed on the road by Kentucky. Like, yep. same thing with defensive end. Princely, my guy. But if you're not doing your job on every down, not just passing down, not when it's just, you know, it's all smooth and you about to pass rush, but every down, you got an assignment to do. Yep. And there was some times when he, he needed to, like, run into that offensive guard, and he was shying away from that type of action. You know, mm -hmm. play, play, play the young boys. Like, mm -hmm. what are we talking about here? Mm-hmm. 
Put Searcy yeah. in the game. Put put Kelby in the game. Kelby Collins. Put somebody else in the game that won't contact, man. Play. I'm on the youth movement. If these older guys don't want to perform, uh, we just got some holdover from, from from some older guys and some leadership that we're clearly not getting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now the Gators missed 19 tackles against Kentucky. They missed seven versus Charlotte, 11 against Tennessee. Uh, they're up to 46 on the season, had 132 uh, in 13 games last year, so a little bit more than 10 per game. And right now the, guy, the Gators are averaging just a hair under 10 missed tackles per game, not where you want to be. Obviously, we've seen some improvement uh, in the first four games of the season on defense, and we thought we were turning the corner against Utah. They only had three missed tackles against McNeese. They had six. Tennessee was 11. You can play with that number a little bit uh, if you want, if you bring that number down. But to have 19 against Kentucky and a lot of those missed tackles were plays that allowed them to go to go the distance. And so Florida's got to figure out a way to learn to tackle better. They've got to put themselves in a position to tackle. Uh, but the Gators just looked porous and poor on defense the entire game. Uh, let's talk a little bit adjusted. about defense. I thought they adjusted a little bit better in the second half. I will give them a, a, a little a little credit, you know, um, to 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 some type of adjustment because they they got some stops. Like right. first half, they was just you know it was a butter going through knife. The first half, mm-hmm. second half, we got some stops, and then then the offense just came out super flat and got nothing done with those stops. So it never felt like we could get anything going because no unit was ever cl- not no two units was ever clicking at the same time. You need two right. units, special teams and offense, special teams and defense to click. Um, and obviously, we didn't get that. We got some good punting for a little bit there out of uh, Kershaw. <laughs> yeah, no, so the Gators uh, give up 260 yards uh, on the – or 280 Nasty. yards, pardon me, to Ray Davis, who last year also torched the Gators uh, at Vanderbilt. So uh, he's a guy that um, just uh, was atrocious. Uh, or not atrocious. Pardon me. He was incredible for uh, for uh, Kentucky and the Gators. Atrocious for us. Tackling him was atrocious. Yeah. So 280 yards amongst the most the Gators have ever given up to a single running back ever uh, in the history of their hundred and some odd years, 130 years of playing football. Uh, he had three touchdowns, 10.8 uh, yards per carry. He had one long of 75, which just went right down the middle. And at that point, I think that's when I thought, hey, this this game is. Just not going to go any way that the Gators wanted to. Man, I've never been so happy to leave a Gator game in my life, bro. I was so happy my son had a four o'clock game. I had to drive to Fort Pierce. I'm gonna watch the the, the massacre the entire time. Like I'm, yeah. a, I'm a I'm a sick guy, so I'll watch a blowout. Like if we're losing, it is what yeah. it is. But that that was you know I was relieved to have to get away from that because that was just terrible football. Mm-hmm. I've never seen us play that bad versus Kentucky in my entire life. Like just yeah. from an energy standpoint, um, we were uh, out the, physical the, the entire game too. I mean, I think that that's yeah. something that, that I noticed is that our offensive line was getting absolutely destroyed by their defensive line. Their defensive line, or their our defensive line, pardon me, was unable to make a lot of movement on their offensive line. Uh, Devin Leary is a guy that just didn't look very good leading up into this game. Uh, their offensive line didn't look very good leading up into this game, and I don't know if it was all a ruse for the first four games or they're going to look like they don't have any idea of what they're going to do and finally put it together. But whatever it 
was, that Kentucky team looked a hell of a lot better. And I don't know if it was the way that Florida played it or if it was the way that Kentucky just was hitting on all cylinders, but however it was, Florida looked absolutely manhandled in both trenches. Uh, and if you get manhandled in both sides of the trenches, you're never going to win that game. No, that's facts. Another thing that's annoying me is the play action. Like, cut cut it out. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just it, we're turning our back to the to the defense way too much. Like, Murphs need all the time he can to process, especially with that offensive line. You having terrible offensive line playing, you keep having your quarterback turn his back to the defense. It, it's just you know it's played at this point, and I we we're not gonna see any adjust adjustment from from Napier. I don't know if people are, are asking for something that's just not going to happen. And that, to me, that's just mental illness. The only adjustment we're going to see is towards the end of the year if, if the staff changes are made and we we blow this thing up a little bit. But I'm not expecting you know, the tendencies of what we're doing to change. You know, everybody cried about Anthony Richardson all last year. And I tried to tell them people, like, we'll see what it looks like when he's gone. And since he's to blame, I know he's inaccurate. He has his inabilities, but. He's doing all right in the NFL. He's going to be okay as a pro. The offense is limited a lot with what Billy's calling and what he's asking these guys to do. You know, um, like we need an offensive coordinator. I like him as a CEO. I like the way he's recruiting. I like the way he hires. But I do not like the game time prep. I don't like the game plans. I don't like the energy from like he needs to, and whoever that OC, they need to have some type of spunk and some energy about him. <laughs> Cause he's just I like and that may be yeah. his thing. That's cool. Bill Belichick yeah. is a real calm guy, but he's winning. So like people don't really criticize it like that. But when you're losing and then you're just calm on the sidelines, like we're used to seeing Nick Saban chew people out. You know, you used to seeing whoever it is in college football, like they're gonna go have a conversation with players that are that are making mistakes ongoing. And I don't see nobody holding each other accountable on those sidelines. We mm-hmm. watch Swamp Kings. You watch Brandon Spikes and all those guys. It was accountability from, you know, your assignment. And then it may get physical if that shit didn't, if the conversation didn't go well. Mm-hmm. But right now, there's there's no accountability, you know, um, from special teams to everything else. It's just a free-for-all. Like, nobody's been – I'm just going to keep regurgitating the same stuff. Yeah. But nobody, nobody's been held to any type of standard whatsoever mm-hmm. when it pertains to, you know, depth chart, snaps. Like, if players not making plays, like, next man up. Yeah. Yeah. No, Silk, I think that you make a, a good point. And I know that there was some discussion uh, on the timeline about what the Gator standard is. And we'll talk about that uh, here in a few minutes. But uh, no, I think that you're right. I think that for for a, a coaching staff that is obviously very detail oriented, there's a lot of details that seem to go missing. It's a, a very penalized team. Uh, they do get uh, caught up in some penalties, some unique penalties. I know that they got the leaping penalty uh, on the uh, on the punt. Uh, that Kentucky had deep in their own end uh, as well. But a, a team's not very disciplined. There does not seem to be a ton of accountability that you see visually. Not saying that there's not uh, in the film room and in the practice room, but on the sideline doesn't seem like there there's a ton of accountability being shown. And maybe we don't see it all, uh, but as somebody that's been in numerous games with the ability to look at the sideline, it, it does seem like it's pretty removed from, you know, that kind of game day coaching, that game day hype and that, you know, responsibility to say, Hey, if you're not going to be able to do this, then somebody else has to at least give it a go uh, and give it a shot. So uh, let's go uh, kind of through some things here. We talked about missed tackles. Scooby Williams is the leader this season with nine. Miguel Mitchell has seven, Shamar James four. Uh, and then the rest just kind of moved down into the three, two, one range. So obviously missed tackles is something that the Gators are going to need to work on uh, a ton. Um, 
it's not to say that you can't have missed tackles in a game, but to have 19 uh, and uh, and 11 uh, in your last two SEC games is just not going to get uh, the job done, especially when you're a team that doesn't have the ability to really come back uh, very quickly, right? Florida right. was down big and still running five, six, seven-minute drives, and it's just – you need to have the ability to to be able to get some explosive plays. I know that Graham Mertz tried a few times to get the ball down the field, but you just don't see it enough. Florida's very methodical in the way that they do their huddles, the lining up. They bleed a lot of clock. I understand that that's going to be your offense, but at some point in time, you have to be able to switch uh, when you are down. And, and I fear that Florida is just not a team that unless they score first or score twice first, that they're ever going to be able to come back uh, in a game on. Yeah. So I'm with you. Um, on defense, um, let's see here. The top rated uh, defensive player. Sorry, let me just pull it up here uh, for the Gators. They get the game log here. Sorry. Um, pull this up real quick. Schedule. Sorry, I know this is real time. And so uh, on defense. So do you have any any highlights while this is pulling up in terms of yeah. players that you thought played well? Play well on defense, man. It's, 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 it's hard. <laughs> It's hard to give anybody flowers after giving up 260, whatever, 80 yards, whatever it was, rushing. Um, just a bad, bad performance altogether. Can't even yeah. give my secondary props because they didn't have to pass to beat us. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's safer to drive, bro. So they, they they drove the car all the way down the field on us with no risk and, and, and took care of business. But I have no, yeah. I have no flowers for defense, bro. So uh, you'll get a kick out of this uh, in a second, but your top five guys on Pro Football Focus, Princely, Desmond, uh, Jackson, Jason Marshall, and then Shamar James. Uh, Princely was far and away, and Desmond Watson, who only played 15 snaps, uh, and then everybody else kind of bleeds down there. Uh, the Gators, terrible. Uh, they have seven guys that ranked a 31.9 or below in terms of tackling, not where you want to be. Jason Marshall uh, is the only guy that uh, ranked pretty highly against Princely did as well. Uh, they both had three tackles each, but a lot so of us. I don't know how they grade these dogs. I'm not the tape on, bro. It's just like, like Princely grades well, like right. every week. And I get, I don't know how they grade this stuff. It's a lot of like nerd stuff that I don't comprehend. Yeah. But when I watch the game, there's some missing – there's some missing football stuff that, that he's just mm -hmm. not not doing uh, on run, specifically on run. And when he even went on in his pass rush, if he's not hitting on all cylinders, it's just not there. We're lacking a pass rush. I know they didn't pass a lot, but we're, we're lacking a true pass rush. Uh, and if, if he's not hitting on all cylinders, it's even worse. So I, I get the grades, you know, and none of our defense graded out that high. So him being no. the highest, I don't know, like if it's like being the tallest midget or something. <laughs> but, um, it's just a, it's a, there's a lot missing there, and he's got to play like tougher football if he's trying to be a first round draft pick or or, or second round draft pick. You got to play tougher football at defensive end. Yeah, I don't think that you see that. There's a couple plays uh, of his where it looked like he was was very happy to just be in the position to uh, to do his assignment and get blocked and not move off of that. So uh, defense obviously uh, looks uh, just atrocious. Uh, in that game uh, as a whole. Now, let's get some final numbers here. 
Uh, so again, they had 280 yards rushing through Ray Davis. They had four, almost 400, 398. Uh, they only have 69 yards through the air on nine of 19 passes. Uh, kind of reminds you of that, uh, that Georgia Southern game where they didn't complete a pass, but only allowing 69 yards passing out of Devin Leary, uh, which I guess you could say is is good. But if you don't need it, then it, what what does that mean, right? So, but. 36 rushes for them, 329 yards, 9.1 yards uh, per rush. Uh, Gators, like I said, 10 penalties for 86 yards. Kentucky, only three penalties for 25. Gators do lose uh, the turnover battle. Again, Graham Mertz's second interception of the year, the second time this season uh, that it goes through uh, the receiver's hands uh, and the ball does get turnover. And I think both of those uh, turned into points this season uh, as well. Let's go to offense. Before we do that, let's give a shout out to our friend Jeff over at Fango Tickets. Go visit FangoTickets.com. Uh, we have helped facilitate a number of uh, ticket sales through the platform. They are looking for those that want to put their season tickets up for the Lightning, the Bucks, or the Florida Gators, or if you live in Ohio, the Cleveland Browns and Ohio State as well. Go visit Fango Tickets. It is going to be the best place for you to list your tickets. There is no fees for you for the first 100 people that list on the platform, and uh, there's no fees to the buyer uh, as well. So it's a great place to go get your tickets. Uh, again, FangoTickets.com. Go support a UF alumni in this new endeavor. Snell uh, in the comments. I see you, Shannon. What did it do, my boy? There he is, Shannon Snell, Gator legend. All right, so let's get into the offense. A lot to talk about there. Uh, from a statistical perspective, Gators have 313 yards, 244 through the air. Graham Mertz goes 25 of 30, 8.1 yards per pass. Again, we mentioned the interception. Uh, on the opposite end of Kentucky, 69 yards passing the Gators get just 69 yards rushing 2.4 yards rushing it on, on 29 rushing attempts. So uh silk so got to get your thoughts on what the hell is happening with this, uh, this offense right now and this rushing attack. Uh, a whole lot of mid. Yeah. A whole lot of mid bro. The offensive line. You can't run nothing with the offensive line. I thought having uh, mm -hmm. Kingsley back was sure some things up, but bro, everybody on my offensive line was getting their shit pushed in. Excuse my language. Like nobody was winning battles. Like they, they, they was pretty much doing what they wanted to do on my offensive line the entire game. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the the passing offense is is gonna be stale. You know the the pass the the, the receiving route concepts is just not is not hitting. We run a lot of intermediate comebacks, drag routes. You know we're not we're not taking anything deep on our deep opportunities. Even though they were a lot of them were successful. I seen Ricky Pearsall get behind the defense. You know, even if he would have caught that diving pass, we got a penalty, so that didn't matter. Mm -hmm. uh, he missed on an early connection to Caleb Douglas on a deep route, which would have been right. pivotal. If we mm -hmm. if we would have hit that, then you know it's probably a different football That's game. That's a momentum changer, right? Correct. If you hit that, you go. It'd have been 10, 10 seven. You know, and that and that changes the whole vibe of the team a little bit. So you missed that throw. I don't think you just quit on that, man. You got guys beating these dudes deep, and then Caleb Douglas won a 50-50 ball. So like. You just got to open an offense up. Like, what do you have to lose at this point? Being efficient and losing don't make sense. You know, like, you got to let Merce go out there. And and if he if he has a game where he looks terrible, who cares at this point? We've seen him look efficient and play within the offense and the range that you want. Mm -hmm. Now, we're down 
two scores, three scores, bro. Open offense up, just methodically lining up, you know, to run whatever plays we're running. It's just like no pace to the game, no feel to it. You need an offensive coordinator. Like there's mm-hmm. just no way around it at this point. Yeah. No, I think that you're you're hitting the nail on the head. I don't know if and when that's going to happen. I don't imagine that you see any sort of transfer of power. I don't know how the Gators' offensive situation works right now in terms of the way the plays call play calls go in. I don't know each coach's responsibility. Obviously, Rob Sale is on paper your offensive coordinator. We know Billy calls plays. We know Russ Calloway, your tight end coach, has called plays in in uh, his background over at Samford. Billy Gonzalez has obviously been you know heavily involved. Uh, in creating offenses. I think he was a pass game coordinator uh, at LSU when he left Florida. So there's some experience there. But right now, Florida's not figuring it out on offense. And I know the offensive line, an area that we were somewhat confident in, the starting five going into the season. I know they haven't played a ton of snaps this year together. This is the first time you saw all five of them together, and it just looked bad. Uh, Austin Barber, had a really bad game. The yes, right sir. side of the line just doesn't look great as well. Uh, but from everything that the Gators need to do on offense, they don't give Graham a ton of time to make plays. So I agree with you with turning your back to the field. And then the Gators have like two seconds to throw the ball. So you're never going to be able to get those deep routes completed if you only have two seconds to throw the ball as well. So Florida's got to figure out something with the – deficiencies that they have on offense to try to figure out a way to move the ball right now. Montreal Johnson just doesn't seem like that guy. I know that he's probably a better pass blocker uh, than Trevor Etienne is right now, but what we've seen out of him this year, I mean, I'm baffled that we just, we haven't seen anything about what we saw out of him at uh, Louisiana and then his first year at Florida, but we're, we're not seeing anything there and he's still getting a bulk of those carries uh, on offense. I don't know if there's something with Trevor Etienne. I don't know if he ha- is got some sort of nagging injury or whatever it is, but Florida's got to get the ball to their playmakers uh, if they're going to want to, to win in the sec this year. And right now I'm just not, not seeing a lot of it uh, to, to write home about on offense. Yeah. I also think like the young like I'm with the youth movement at receiver as well. Um Andy Jean, Caleb Douglas is gonna be out for for a few weeks here. I right. think then they have I don't think they disclosed the exact injury, but it may be an ankle sprain. It, it, a high yeah, ankle sprain is what I'm hearing. But Andy Jean needs to get more snaps. Like I don't mind seeing Aiden Mazel. We gotta stretch the field. Like you only gonna help ETN out by by doing that. I think Montreal's struggling because he's this the line was better last year, and he could get downhill. He's a step slower out of his stance than than Etienne. Etienne gets to the hole quicker, and he has better feet. Mm-hmm. And that, that that's just what it is. They have different skills. I think if the line was better, then and Montreal could get downhill. His vision, balance, he'd be able to get some of that off. But he can't even get going with this offensive line. So uh, he's definitely tr- uh, uh, struggling. And I think the better fit right now for more carries is just Etienne. Our offense, mm-hmm. every game that we've won. He has gotten off, like mm-hmm. in, in, like the games he was successful last year. You know, those are the games we won and thrived in. You can't get away away from what works. Um, Graham Merce had one interception, and, and that was a throw that was across the middle. He hit mm-hmm. all his board in him in his hands. I thought he should have came down with it, even though it's a risky throw. This is big boy football. We all been wanting to see Arliss play. Freshmen are gonna make mistakes, but you got to come down with that catch as well. That was a, a catch that moved the sticks, and now. It's an interception, man. Um, 
it's, that's just rough. Like mm -hmm. we just put in terrible position with penalties. Like, even with uh, we didn't talk about this, but the the special teams uh, play. I went to the bathroom, bro. I'm like, oh man, perfect turnover. We get the ball back. <laughs> bathroom break. I come back from the bathroom and it's they got seven points. I'm like, what the, what just transpired? And I see the replay. And Dejon Johnson, you know, he made a mistake, freshman mistake on special teams, mm -hmm. but our mistakes turn right around in the six points. Mm -hmm. Like, like karma spin the block or whatever it is, our mistakes spin the block real quick and hunt us right away. Not later in the game. Like the next play, this guy breaks for a touchdown when our defense just got off the field. Yeah. We just we're just not buying a break right now at all. Um, on the road is just atrocious. We'll see if it, it changes. We got Vanderbilt at home. We if we had Vanderbilt on the road again, I'd be shook if. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, you know, and I do want to give, and we'll talk a little bit more about special teams uh, here in a second, but I know Devin Moore was getting a little smoke uh, for his PAT return energy uh, and speed. Uh, I don't know if those folks that were criticizing Devin Moore's speed there at the end, but he was the guy that from the opposite side of the field was trying to chase down Ray Davis 45 seconds before that PAT just happened. So uh, you have a guy that just ran probably 90 yards, go out there and then pick up the ball and then run another 40. These guys aren't machines. They're not robots. Um, that's not a cardio issue. That's just an exhaustion issue, right? And Florida had been gashed uh, all game on defense already. So uh, I want to give Devin more credit for doing the best that he could. And, you know, that Kentucky – kicker i don't know if he's been working on 40s uh when he's not kicking the ball but uh he had some some giddy up to him as well definitely but, a uh, soccer player to devin moore for for giving the best shot that he could he definitely plays other sports and trains <laughs> <laughs> he's in shape bro um uh, i wonder if kershaw could run that fast i need to see i need to see what his 40 looked like you know just in case just in case uh but anyway, yeah that was that was a tough for devin moore and people just jumped to like all oh, they take so quick damn devin moore is slow like nah he's not slow bro he just ran 100 yards damn near <laughs> and then had to try to run another 100 <laughs> to score a touchdown bro sounds sounds easy on twitter but in real life it actually takes those guys are athletes too bro uh, Shannon, we see your comment there. We're going to heart that. We'll get back to that here uh, in a second. Uh, Trevor Etienne, uh, despite everything, only gets 29 yards on 11 attempts. Montreal Johnson, 42. He did have one longer run pulled back uh, from him. Graham Mertz, one carry for 25 yards. Uh, from a receiving perspective, you know, we mentioned Gators had 245 yards passing, 9.8 yards per uh, reception there. Montreal Johnson uh, catches six. Trevor Etienne catches four. Those are your two leading receivers, both in terms of targets and receptions. I think that that kind of shows what the Florida offense is. A lot of those swing passes, a lot of those passes behind the line of scrimmage there. Um, Khalil Jackson of your wide receivers has the most uh, most catches. Uh, he has three catches for 41 yards. Caleb Douglas has one catch for 34 yards. Great catch, great uh, job going up in the air to get that. Does suffer the injury uh, after that. Hayden Hansen, uh, he gets a touchdown. Ricky Pearsall, 62 yards uh, on three uh, catches for 62 yards. Uh, touchdown, Amy Jean, uh, four catches for 33 yards. Uh, so that Montreal Johnson and, and Trevor Etienne, as well as Montreal Johnson, all had four catches or more. So uh, I thought Andy Gene looked okay. Uh, obviously, uh, when he uh, when he caught the ball, when he was moving, he did well. Uh, some blocking could be improved there, uh, but but overall, just not the way that you want to vertically move the ball uh, down the field uh, if you want to win these games. And then Arliss Sportingham. Um, 
ball goes right through his hands. He has two catches for seven yards in the in the one reception that he didn't have. Uh, the ball gets picked off in Tennessee ret- or uh, pardon me, Kentucky returned it down to I think like the 15 yard line uh, after that. So not a great game uh, for Arliss Boardingham. Silk, any thoughts on on the receivers other than just what we talked about? Let them boys fly down the field. That's my take. You know, even Arliss, man, like he getting matchups with some favorable stuff. Like run them deeper. If I'm a defensive back, I'm not getting out of my stance a lot for some of the stuff that we're running. You feel me? Like, because I already know, like, if I'm watching the film, everything is 15 yards and under. So you're not really getting me out of my back pedal like that because I you're kind of predictable. That's why, mm-hmm. like, at this point in the season, there's film out. We didn't have any film on what the offense would look like with Graham Merch. That film is out. There's plenty of it right now. Teams know we're not finna throw the ball down the field. We had few opportunities, and every opportunity down the field looked great. It wasn't one I was just like, damn, he wasn't open. Nah, bro. Like, every attempt that we made down the field was an opportunity to make a big play, and then we're just not doing it. Absolutely, and I think that that's going to uh, lead us right into our next point. Offensive line, Silk, I want to get your thoughts. Uh, of the Gators' highest-ranked uh, players in run blocking, how many players do you think you have to go down until you get to an offensive lineman? All of them? Like, what are you talking about? Seven. <laughs> there are six players that ranked higher on run blocking. You have all of Caleb them. Douglas, Annie Jean, Khalil Jack and Jackson, Ricky Pierce, Ajaquavian Frazier, Trevor Etienne, until you get to Lindell Hudson, who only played eight uh snaps all game and then kingsley uh scores of 57.9 uh you go all the way down to richie leonard at a 52.4 arliss boardingham missed a number of uh assignments there and then hayden hansen missed a number as well uh gators run blocking uh on the offensive line or on the offensive side of the ball is absolutely atrocious these are some of the worst grades i've ever seen uh given by pro football focus i think you can see why uh when you look at how many yards the gators were able to move the ball uh but from a missed assignment perspective from hurries allowed um and and pressures allowed just a, a piss poor uh out you know, output from, from the offensive line. And I'm not criticizing them and their effort and energy level, but there is something that is drastically missing with having right. two coaches, one of which won a Super Bowl, the other of which that has been an offensive line coach for, I'm guessing, 20 some odd years now. You have two of them and you look like you look uncoached. It's not even that they just are young. They just don't look like they know what they're doing. They are getting absolutely dummied in almost every game this season or every game over the last two seasons against a formidable defensive line, right? They looked, they didn't look great against Utah. They looked okay for the most part, um, you know, from a, from a pass blocking perspective again, or from a, a blocking perspective against Tennessee, not as great as you'd want to see against Charlotte uh, and then Kentucky dummy dude. And you still have LSU, Georgia, Florida. You still have a number of teams ahead of you. Uh, that probably have just as good of a defensive line as Kentucky did. You got to figure it out. Yeah, the elephant in the room is like you said. The two two offensive line coaches uh, that are coaching this atrocious offensive line did not recruiting well at the position as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then one's an offensive coordinator in title at least, where everybody's pretty much clamoring for at this point. So, you know it, that is the elephant in the room. And if there is some shakeup, then it, it's probably going to happen at that position. Like. Having two coaches, 
not a lot of progress at the position, you know, um, and then that title got, is going to have to go to another coach if, we, mm -hmm. if we're making those type of changes. So that's my take of the offensive line. We need talent. Um, I don't know if it's the two coaches, but we got to blow it up. We got to blow mm -hmm. it up. But at the we we definitely got to up the talent in the, in the room. And I'm not just talking about high school recruiting because we need guys that can play next year because the schedule mm -hmm. just get more brutal. So the, the transfer portal is going to be very key with who we bring in this offseason. They got to be way more aggressive with offensive line and getting yeah. capable guys in here with the right size, strength. I see people questioning the, the strength staff as well, but I, I don't I don't know about that take yet. What, how do you feel about that? And I'm gonna get, we're going to get to your question, too. I like your question, uh, Snell, but we'll get to that after we finish. Uh, wrap yeah, up um, Snell, by the way, said Kingsley still hurt, still around 60%. Unfortunate situation for the Gators that, you know, him at 60% is still better than, than what Florida has beyond that. You know, I would love to That's see him crazy. try to get healthy, get up to 70, 80, 90 uh, percent, but Florida stuck using him. I'm sure he's getting some shots uh, in the ankle. He's playing through it. Looks like he's miserable out there. I get it, uh, but that's a that's a product of what you've now had two full recruiting cycles to try to figure out. Plus a transfer portal. I hate that for Kingsley. I, I hate it more that that's our only option uh, right now. Uh, strength and conditioning. I don't. I don't think I, I have enough data to know i don't think that florida looks physically mismatched in terms of size in terms of strength i think they look physically manhandled and i don't know if that's a a strength issue or if that's a a gumption a want to a will i don't know there, there's something there that that doesn't seem to be clicking right i mean beyond just strength and conditioning florida's got you know some speed coaches they've got other stuff i don't I think that all of that looks fine for what the talent that you have, you know, on campus is, but I, I don't think that Florida's looks particularly small or looks particularly weak. I think that they just get manhandled and that's probably a, an issue of, of coaching and technique more than it is, you know, being able to throw up more weight on the bench press. On which. Yeah. So I, you know, I don't know. Um, Let's see on uh, offense uh, again, just to, to kind of tap this out. Uh, pass blocking, yeah, they they do all right. Micah Mazuka uh, graded really highly. Lindell uh, Hudson uh, graded well. Uh, Kingsley looked poor uh, in pass blocking, uh, according to this. Gators allow six pressures, four hurries, uh, one sack, and one hit uh, in this game. Uh, so, Silk, before we get to uh, special teams and, and close out this unfortunate loss to Kentucky, um, any final thoughts on on offense? Shit, man. I'm going to be real with you. Like, if we keep struggling, like, like show me what Max Brown looked like. I'm not saying Grand Mercy's playing bad, but we need a spark, you know, and we'll see. We'll talk about this Vandy game in a little bit, but you you, you get a more mobile guy that could probably make something happen with his legs is what we we could probably use an injection of if the offense don't kickstart here in a little bit. Um, that That's my overall take. VET and hmm. more. If we can't get a spark on offense, go to another hand. I don't think that'll happen, but that's just my opinion on, on what I would like to see if our offensive hmm. line don't improve. It, it, the defensive lines that we face aren't going to get easier. So we, we got to make some type of an adjustment. And I wouldn't mind seeing – we'd play Charleston early early in the season a little bit better. Then you get, you know, Max Bryan in to get some reps, and then we get another look at him. So it's hard to even say what he looks like, but right now the offense is just super flat. Nothing explosive yeah. is happening outside of ETN breaking big runs. So something's got to give. Yeah, I don't I don't, I don't, don't know. I don't – I think it would be really, really hard to – 
bench cram Mertz. I, th- I think that he's he's playing right now very efficiently. I don't think that the I problem, get it. Yeah, I don't think that the problems are solved by having a slightly more mobile quarterback. If they're still breaking through that offensive line, you might buy another second, and maybe that does make some changes. I don't know anything about Max Brown to to be able to give that that opinion. But right now, Florida's biggest issues are being able to block and being allowed to allow a play to develop. Now, I don't know. Now, Graham Graham hasn't played bad at all. I don't think he's played bad football. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, I just don't think that he has enough time to really go through progressions. And I do think that that easy swing pass is an easy solution to, to most problems. The problem is uh, to that is you're never going to be able to move the ball a long distance down the field, right? Unless you have a breakout play, you have somebody like a, a Trey Wilson or a Trevor Etienne that's able to make a couple, you know, uh, tacklers miss, then maybe you get some excess yards, but you can imagine that most of those swing passes are going to go for four, five, six yards. And then Florida becomes, you know, a pretty methodical team. They'll try that run. Now they're at, you know, third and three. They'll try it again. You know, they'll probably get penalized somewhere along the way. So now it's third and nine, third and 13. And when you're in that position, you don't have a lot of options. You know, I know there's some criticism about what Florida did on third and long, yes, or on, on Saturday. They don't have a lot of options. Florida doesn't have a lot of 15 and 18 yard plays when they can't even block for more than two seconds in their repertoire. A lot of it becomes a field position. So I want you guys to start thinking a little bit more critically um, when watching some of these videos about criticizing third down play calling. But beyond just that, unless Florida is able to get an explosive play likely behind the line of scrimmage where most of their passes go, I don't know what what a, a QB does to to change that, and I'm not saying that you're calling for Grand Merch to be sat. I'm just saying Floor's issues are at the front of the line, and if they can't do anything there, then they're never going to be able to. You could have Peyton Manning back there. Well, that's not a great example. You could have Patrick Mahomes back there, and probably not have a huge increase in success rate. Yeah, I'm with yeah. you. Like I don't I don't think he's playing bad football. My my take is just like if the, if offensive line can't protect. You know, Graham Mertz, we're gonna we're gonna end up seeing Max Brown anyway, the way the way they're blocking, to be real with you. Uh I just think like we need some escapability for the, the offensive line that I just saw the, the, the past two weeks. Cause it wasn't just uh this yeah. Kentucky team the week before it was just as ugly. We thought Kingsley would make it better, but I just think somebody's gonna have to escape the pocket and be able to make something happen. And right now, Graham Mertz, I don't know, Max Brown turning his back to the defense may be just as detrimental. Like who knows? Mm-hmm. That's just a, a, a taking, I think, a spark that could possibly happen um, in my mind, but I don't I don't foresee it happening. But if you're struggling, I don't know, like, where you go to. You know, we watch these mm-hmm. Spurrier change quarterbacks over the years, different coaches. You go to the bench sometimes just to get a spark from something. You know, mm-hmm. deep pass, deep play. You know, Graham Mertz is playing not bad football, but he's leaving some points on the field here and there. Mm-hmm. Like, there are some throws he aren't, he, he isn't hitting. You know, um, so yeah, and the Gators two losses this season. Just looked it up. Uh, they're the best rushing um, score that they've gotten in terms of offensive line has been a sixty-four, uh, which is obviously not something that you uh, is going to be a recipe for success uh, in their wins against Tennessee, Charlotte, uh, and uh, McNeese. Those numbers were substantially higher. I think the lowest score was higher than the Gators highest ranked one. So, uh, obviously the Gators entire identity is on the offensive line, being able to create holes for the rushing attack. And 
in both games that the, that the Gators lost. They, I mean, they got demolished in both games. Uh, they looked piss poor uh, in the run blocking uh, game. So um, offense, not what we wanted. Uh, you have the opportunity to improve next week. Uh, saw Trey Wilson was listed on the depth chart, did not play uh, nice. in this game. Um, not great work. Not, not sure if that's a uh, – just a, a marketing ploy to try to get them to prepare for him or what, but uh, it's a, that's unfortunate when you have a guy that, you know, you're excited about getting the opportunity to play gets, get zero snaps out there. So not did sure. Did we see one jet sweep at all, even without him? Did we, did Ricky get one? I don't think so. Yeah. Like so. that helps our run game out a lot. Mm -hmm. And like not having Trey, I had Trey as, as my player of the game in the pregame yeah. that they got me lying because Billy line. Like if you'd have told me the truth, I wouldn't have lied to y'all. But he told yeah. me the man was playing, so I, I, I was like, "Shit, if Trey playing, this is a perfect game to get off." But yep. no, sir. Hey, my mic about to fall. Is that All type right, of let's let's see. Uh, special teams. We'll go through that real quick. Obviously, the Gators get a penalty uh, that flips uh, the the field for for Kentucky, allow them to get a uh, a score in uh, that game. Um, any thoughts on on special teams there? Other than that. Uh, I think the big, the only blunder we have was the John Johnson thing, right? Yeah, we did, and we also do this thing that I've been noticing, and I don't know if it's a comfort uh, comfort thing. We don't do a great job of catching the ball on fair catches. We do a, a really yeah, good job of just kind of letting them go behind our head. And for yeah. whatever reason, Florida has had terrible luck this entire season. Uh, and that ball rolls for another 10, 15, 20 yards. Would love to see us try to get that fair catch a little bit more often because the Gators are losing probably nice. 30 or 40 yards a game just in, the, in that alone. Now, with you on that. Now, special teams. Yeah, I, I don't know why everybody harassed the coach yesterday like that much to make him like delete his Twitter and and a lot of like you no know, people speculating is he fired? No. Like, what's the word? He's not fired, no, he's right? Not fired. Yeah, so Twitter is not real life, um, apparently. But yeah, yeah stop, bro, stop, I, stop attacking people, right? You can be frustrated at the unit. Don't be frustrated. Don't threaten people. Don't you know, wish ill will on people. They're, they're just human beings. They're doing a job. I assure you that they want to do their job. Well, maybe it doesn't work out, but wishing, you know, and, and I know that they're kind of tongue in cheek, but kind of wishing the terrorist attack on the home and criticizing, you know, the, the coach as an individual and as a person and calling him a fat slob and all this other stuff. Like take the emotion of the person out of the position. Like you can be critical and say, man, I wish that Florida had better special teams. I wish they could be better on offense. I wish they could do this differently, but stop. You can post the Donald Trump, the Donald Trump shit where he's like, He's fired. Get yeah. his ass out. Post shit like that, bro. Yeah. Bye -bye a little bit, man. Have fun. Yeah, but they stop threatening individuals. Like, this is not th – this is a fan. You are a fan of a team. Maybe you went to school there. Maybe you didn't. You're rooting you're, – you're cheering on a group of guys that you will likely never meet in your life with a coaching staff that you will likely never meet in your life that's going to transition – every four or five years with the players and every right now, the way the Gators are playing every three, four five years with the coaching staff, like take it in, take it, take in being a fan. You can cheer them on, but let's stop the personal attacks on folks. There's no reason that a coach should have to delete his Twitter because you're angry with the performance of a unit. Uh, people that talk crazy on, on social media like that, like just, lacking grass touching. Like everybody mm -hmm. thinks it's a, it's a, it's an underrated thing, man. 
Like you lose a sense of reality on these social media yeah. apps, man. You never been punched in the face. You never mm-hmm. been in any real life controversy. So you think you can say anything to people and like in that shit flies. No, nah, it doesn't fly, man. Even the people that are like co-signing, oh, this is Florida. This is what happens with this job. Nah, bro, that's not what happens, bro. Like, what are we talking about? Like people lose games and say racist stuff. Is that what happens as well? No, nah, disrespect is disrespect. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm never going to co-sign disrespect, bro. Like, have some integrity and not curse these people out and talk about them like they ain't got families and stuff like that. It's not that serious. It's a game. Mm-hmm. Y'all unhinged yeah. as fuck. Go touch some grass, bro. Live a little. Yeah. Uh, so I, I know that the, these positions are very visible. I know uh, that they get paid a lot of money. They work a lot of hours. You're likely not the one contributing to their salary anyway. Um, but I would hate for you to be in a position where you're at work and you make a mistake on your Excel spreadsheet or you provide some faulty financial you know, analysis work and somebody oh, from the outside looking in is going to fire this guy, fire this guy. What is he doing? Yeah. You know, We got to blow up his house. We got to do this. These are people. They are doing a job. They will be handled in the way that their positions have a structure. They have responsibilities. There is a way to look back and say, hey, we didn't have a successful year. Maybe we choose to move on. But you have to judge them based on the on-field performance and what their responsibilities are. And you probably don't even know what most of their responsibilities are. You don't know what goes into to being that coach. But it's not your responsibility to threaten them. And it's not your position to continue to break and tear them down. You can be mad. You can be critical at the, the output. But please, please, please keep their individual lives, keep their wives, their families, all of that, you know, to the side. You you do look unhinged. And there is a reason that Florida has that reputation. And you can say that all schools that are big fans of, of all of these big programs have unhinged fans. That's true. But don't be a part of that for Florida, right? Be the school or be the fan base that says, hey, you know what? I, I think that we can do better here. We may need to make a move or a change here at this position or that position. We might need to bring in an additional coach. Hey, maybe this person isn't doing what we think is the Gator standard. Uh, but other than that, keep the personal shit out of it. All right? There's no reason a coach should have to delete a Twitter because you continuously add him for being a fat slob and his team being That's back. crazy. Tagging you the coaches. On a hinge. And if you don't think that reputation gets out there, then – of course, you're you're living in this some is, sort of la la land. The McElwain death threats were like a thing as well. You know what I'm saying? Like, should McElwain have been fired? Yeah, get his ass out of here. Like I said, use the Trump, the Trump uh meme and whatever. But like threatening people's lives over football, I'm never gonna make an excuse for it. I'm never gonna enable it. It's sucker shit. You know, yeah. just like I said, people say racist things to some of these players, and what we're supposed to tell the players, oh, they gotta be this big boy football. You should be able to take that. Nah, bro, it's nonsense. You guys are speaking like unhinged cavemen. Absolutely. Um, well, glad we were able to get that off of our chest. That is something that we were, we're talking about for, for a couple days now. Uh, let's get into the Vanderbilt game. Shannon, we'll get to your question as well. Let's give a shout out to our friends over at Alumni Hall. If you are looking for anything Florida Gators related, whether that's T-shirts, polos, accessories, uh, grilling uh, utensils, uh, Christmas ornaments, uh, things for a baby shower, things for a wedding, whatever it might be, go visit alumnihall.com or go visit them on Archer Road in Gainesville, Florida. Again, our friends at Alumni Hall, Archer Road in Gainesville, right off of 75 or alumnihall.com. All right, Silk, the Gators play 
Vanderbilt, four o'clock. We are back in the swamp. We are <laughs> another must to, win. We looking to avenge a loss from last season. The Gators, right now, I looked right before we started, 18 and a half point favorites. Um, I think the uh, the over under, uh, I'll pull that up, but the Gators, uh, 18 and a half point favorites. Uh, Vanderbilt does not look uh, great this season. Uh, over under right now is 54 and a half. Uh, so um, Gators lose last week, uh, or last year, pardon me, in a, uh, a very uh, poorly played game uh, in Nashville. I think kickoff was 11 o'clock last year uh, in the morning there. So Gators look to avenge this, get to four and two uh, on the season. Uh, Vanderbilt is not good. Uh, they are not a good team uh, this year. They do have some... Um, you know, they do have some players, and we'll go over a few of those. But, but Silk, give us your um, your thoughts on this Vanderbilt game. Uh, they're playing at home, so I feel a little better. You know, they, this this team does feed off of uh, that that home energy. Uh, but it's like you just never know. This team has been super inconsistent. Like the team that played at Charlotte could show up versus Vandy. Um, so I, I just don't know what to expect. I mean, just wait and see mode, watch it all play out. Uh, what I want to see, I want to see a competent offense. You know, Vandy, they don't have more talent than us. Like, I know how bad our offensive line played. Like, there's no reason they should struggle against Charlotte or Vandy, right? So, like, it's just got to be some type of, of growth in that area. You know, you want to see this team get better week by week. You know, whatever happened in our two L's, that already happened. You know, we playing a lot of young guys, and a lot of our young guys are playing against some grown-ass men. Mm -hmm. um, that don't mean there's a talent deficiency. It's just an experience deficiency. Mm -hmm. And our experienced guys just haven't been like coming through with that type of experience that, that we would want and that leadership that we want from older guys. So I just want to see young boys arrive, you know, mm -hmm. like start to show themselves pause and arrive on the scene with making big plays and giving those opportunities as well. Mm -hmm. If I got defensive backs that are not making tackles, play Jakeem Jackson. Mm -hmm. um, somebody said Devin Moore is a safety on here. He's probably our best corner. I don't know why people keep calling him a safety, but he's our best corner. Um, Jalen Kimber, I don't know what he was doing Saturday. I want to see Devin Moore start. Give me Devin Moore. And if Marshall starts struggling, you know, put Jakeem in. Let's mm -hmm. see what the effort looked like. Let's see if he wants to put a hat on the hat and take a man to the ground and play some football. Uh, running running game, feed ETN. Mm -hmm. Get him the ball early and often. Correct the stuff, bro. Like, don't be stubborn. Don't try to be smarter than the fans and all of that. Some of this is just very obvious football. Each end is mm -hmm. the better back. Run with your better guys. You know, uh, so the effort, we watched Brandon Cox play, I think, two or three too many games last year. They're just watching his effort, the selfishness that he played with last year. This year, if you're still seeing that similar stuff from older guys, move them quicker. Like, mm -hmm. that type of progress is what I want to see this Vandy game. Like, this is a team that we should beat, but we just been very inconsistent. I think we could feed off some energy at home. Uh, I wouldn't bet the spread if you like your money. I would not ever bet a spread with Billy. It's just not safe to do. Uh, mm -hmm. He'll sit on a lead, a 10-point lead versus Vandy in the second half and play with your bread in Vegas a little bit. But that's that's, that's all I got for this game, bro. Like, yeah, let's, hopefully, let's... hopefully we can get to the 50, that, that spread you were talking about, and we see yeah. some Max Brown, right? Uh, I would like to see him get some reps, squeeze him in if we get a, some type of lead in the, in the second half. But it's not a whole lot to be desired of outside of me wanting to see younger players play and these older players that are making the same mistakes, scared to tackle, mm -hmm. don't want to put a hat on the hat, put them on the bench. Yeah, Young uh, young wave. 
Yep. So uh, Vanderbilt, just to go over, is two and four on the season. Their wins are against Hawaii, uh, thirty-five to twenty-eight, and then they beat Alabama A and M, forty-seven to thirteen. They lost to Wake Forest, thirty-six to twenty. UNLV, forty to thirty-seven. Kentucky, forty-five to twenty-eight, and Missouri, thirty-eight to twenty-one. Um, having done a little bit of research, I think their pass blocking uh, is an area where they really struggle. I know that their offensive line should not uh, be very good. Um, they've struggled all all season uh, from everything that I've read. Uh, I think they had a, a decent game against Alabama A&M, but other than that, their, their offensive line uh, has not been very good. They do not have great cornerbacks either, so you have to be able to move the ball down the field and test their cornerbacks, test their safeties. You Florida should be able to get open. They should be able to get big chunk yards uh, in this game. Uh, some guys to look out for on their team. AJ Swan uh, is their quarterback. Uh, 1,251 yards, uh, just throwing 53.2%, 11 touchdowns, seven interceptions. The Gators have to get some turnovers in this game. You have to build that confidence. I know Jason Marshall almost had an interception. I think it was him uh, that, that, that jumped the route, almost had one, uh, but you have to get some turnovers. A.J. Swan is not a great quarterback. Um Patrick Smith is their leading uh, runner uh, with 238 yards on the ground. Uh, Cedric Alexander has 181. Uh, they don't have a lot of great receiving threats, although Will Shepard uh, is averaging just under 74 yards a game and has seven touchdowns. Um, on defense, C.J. Taylor uh, and Dericky Wright uh, are the guys that you want to look out for uh, there. But the Gators should dominate this game. Uh, they are not a good team. Uh, they don't have Ray Davis. Florida lost this game sure. last year. You have to win this game. You have to get some confidence in yourself before you start to get into what is going to be the toughest part of your schedule. If the Gators sit at four and two after this game, then I think most Gator fans would be happy, but you have to start looking pretty. You have to start dominating some teams and this is a way to do that. Um, but you know, I, I've seen this team not get up. So, yeah, the trend is that we do show up at home. So we'll we'll see yeah. what that vibe. Hey, DK, whose side you on, man? Why you keep bringing up the Miguel Mitchell stuff? You gotta let it, gotta let it go. I've killed the hive. <laughs> Young wave, man. Let's not talk about that. I said he was starting. He did start. He still yeah. started. But now that now, like my take, I'm I'm mad that he's wrong right now. Mm. You know? uh, let's get to Shannon's question earlier. Love to hear the opinions of Silk and DT. What will happen if Vandy comes to town and wins? Shannon's trying to stoke a fire here. Yeah, I think every coach is going to get added with death threats. <laughs> yeah. Don't do it. Don't do I'm it. Not, I'm not encouraging not it, but that, that's, the type of, that's the type of shenanigans I expect, like, you know, Tiki Torch, <laughs> Tiki Torch vibes in Gainesville. If he loses to Vandy at home after the show we got last week, Going on a losing streak to Vandy would just be atrocious. That seat would be scorching hot. He lose to Vandy. I ain't gonna lie to you. Yeah, I didn't think that there'd be a way that uh, Billy Napier could ever get fired uh, this season. But if you lose this game, uh, <laughs> the, the, the yeah. schedule is downhill from here. Yeah, so, all best love. 
all bets is off at that point. But uh, no, I do think the Gators should dominate this game. Uh, it is at home. It is a little bit later in the day. Get yourself used to not playing at 7 or 7.30, whether it's home or whether it's away. Uh, the sun will be shining. Uh, if you are planning on going to the game, go be loud. Go support the guys uh, that are there. Um, but uh, but I don't know if I like the Gators by more than 18 and a half points. I should, but I don't know if I do. No, I wouldn't bet it. I wouldn't bet it. Wouldn't bet it. Wouldn't, so, wouldn't do that. Uh, so uh, money. let's uh, let's wrap up the show. Then we'll do one final ad read here in a second. But let's get uh, your thoughts. Um, you're predicting a, a Gators victory this week. Uh, who do you have as your playmaker on offense? Your X factor on offense, and then X factor on defense. Uh, playmaker on offense, bruh. Like. It's, it's tough. Etienne. That's what I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with Etienne. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta get him the ball. Existence. Yeah, speaking into existence, man. I'm not gonna get sexy with it. I got sexy with it last week and then like my guy ain't even play. So <laughs> so shout out to that, bro. So go, on. Like crazy to me, bro. Like I got my own lies to tell. Don't yeah. give me extra lies. We got dude. a show to do here. Got a show to do. We got me looking crazy out here. No, I got Etienne on offense. Uh we doing X Factor on offense as well. Yeah, is that your your X factor on offense, or is that just your breakout play? That's, that's, that's my that's my player of the game. I think we have to okay. anchor. We have to we have to run the ball through Etienne in the offense. I don't care who we playing. Like you got to okay. run it through him to be successful and for this thing to function like it's supposed to. The offense line need to block. So I'm gonna go Etienne. Okay. Uh, X factor. I think all this boarding him has a you know you know a shake back game. Okay. So I make him my my X factor uh, on the offense side of the ball. Defense. Shit, let me go with Shelby Collins. Kelby Collins. Yeah. Kelby Collins, my bad. Let me go with Kelby Collins just because I want to see some uh, young boys arrive, mm -hmm. you know. Um, that's my my vibes on the, on the defensive side of the ball. If I had to go with the X factor, oh, sheesh. Um, give me Bryce Thornton. Play both okay. play both true freshman safeties. Give me them vibes on the back end. Players that want to run an alley with some, with some mean intentions. Too much soft shit going on on my defense mm -hmm. this past week. I like the action I seen before this past week, but this past week was – that was Grantham vibes. I was not feeling the tackling, the intensity. Like we, we, it took us a while to to shaking out my linebackers. Just never fit gaps right as well. Mm -hmm. um, we're minding a shake back game from Shamar and Schools. I didn't realize Schools leading the team in missed tackles. He's been playing well, but mm -hmm. bro, if you if you're playing well in those early games, clean up that mess. You, like the misses, you could you could be, get to an elite level. But I want to see my linebackers play better better fit football. This is a def uh, offense that we should be able to shut down. And not allow a score. So get back into y'all vibe. You know, get back into that trajectory where we was heading. It was like a top five defense before this debacle this past week. So I would like to see them trend back that way defensively. Like that. Uh, let's go uh, on offensive side of the ball. I'm gonna go with. Um, I guess just Ricky Pearsall. I think that he's your your most reliable uh, threat. He's been good in in. Each game this season, I just don't think that Florida has a lot of other options, especially with Caleb Douglas out. X-Factor, if Eugene Wilson can play, then he's both my X-Factor and offensive player in the game. Would like to see him play. Uh, we like what we've seen out of him thus far, but it's been been very minimal, right? Um, so really want to see uh, that. Would love to say one of the offensive linemen can be the X-Factor uh, as well. Um, would love to see a bounce back game from an Austin Barber, uh, from a Damian George. Would love to see some better run blocking from Micah Mazuka, but th there's been nothing this season to show me that I can I can give that faith yet. So I got Ricky and then Eugene on offense. 
And then on the defensive side of the ball, I'm going to go with Jalen Kimber. I think he's going to get an interception uh, in this game. And then my X factor, I really like Bryce Thornton. Uh, I think that he was, he's a, is a great pick there. Uh, so I'm going to go with um, – you said Kelby Collins, too. Those are two great picks. I'm going to go with uh, Scooby Williams. I'm going to go with him getting a bounce-back game this week uh, against Vanderbilt, trying to hold them and minimize uh, them, and I like him for maybe getting a, getting a sack or a, a PBU or, or something uh, off the stat sheet that's that's not just a tackle or, or potentially a hurry there. Is uh, Artis out a few weeks? I didn't know Artis was out a few weeks. Artis boring him. He's out a few yeah, weeks. I don't, I don't know. And there was potential some injury concern there. I don't know if anything's been been said yet, so we'll we'll be on the lookout there. Uh, let's see. It is homecoming in Gainesville this week too. So if you're going to go, I know that they're getting Jason Derulo for Gator Growl this year. So what are your thoughts on Jason Derulo? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a vibe. Yeah, yeah, I can stay home for that one. Yeah, yeah, flow rider last year, Jason Derulo this year. We're about ten years late, uh, but that's uh, that's what we do at Gator Growl. Uh, the game is at four o'clock, so be there two hours and fifteen minutes, I think, before the game is when they do uh, the Gator Walk. So sometime around one forty-five, uh, Gators look to go four and two against. Um, uh, four and two, uh, and then hopefully get this win over Vanderbilt. Let's get one final ad read. I think I got song of the week, so I'll look that up. Uh, go support our friends over at Home Field Apparel, homefieldapparel.com. If you're looking for Florida Gators retro uh, logos, gear, wear, all of those kind of things, they have them uh, with about 20 different options. They're up to about 80 or 90 different schools now as well. So again, it is the holiday time. Go take a look if you have a friend, coworker, spouse, uh, family member that maybe went to another school as well. Great, great stuff. Uh, very comfortable shirt. So again, homefieldapparel.com for your retro sports gear. Um, so let's uh, song of the week. Uh, my boy Shane Smith has a new song out. Uh, it's one of their first new songs in a while. Uh, so that song. We have our, we have our standards conversation. The grays between. Oh, let's have our standards conversation. I just thought about that. Well, you we, we talked about early in the show. So what what what's your uh, your take on the Gator standard? I I have mine. I tweeted a little bit. I didn't want to get into my entire bag of it, but do you want to know my real um, Gator standard? Is that I don't know what Florida's Gator standard is. Right. Correct. So Florida's been around since. 1906, I think, is when they played their first uh, played their first football. Right now, Gator coaches average 4.6 years at the University of Florida. Uh, up until the 80s, when Florida got in trouble for um, doing some illegalities and you know got some wins vacated, that kind of stuff. You had a couple players sprinkled in there. Obviously, your Jack Youngbloods, your Steve Spurriers. You had a Heisman Trophy there. Uh, Florida's success really came in the 90s. And then we had Ron Zook. Uh, Florida was eight and three or eight and four, nine and three, those types of seasons. Florida obviously goes and gets uh, Urban Meyer. You have a lot of success over the course of, of five years. Um, Florida has a fan base that expects that Florida is going to compete for a national championship every year. And I think that there should be an expectation with the talent here, the resources that you have, and everything else that Florida should be able to compete. Florida has not competed for a national championship or been in that conversation in those 100 and 
18 years, 17 years that we've had, except for about 15. So that's where I struggle with what the Gator standard is and what the Gator standard should be. I want to compete. I want Florida to compete. But there's about 15 years and about 118 of them where Florida did compete. So I don't know what the Gator standard is. I know what we want it to be. I don't know if that's what it is. Yeah, a lot of times it's just words, in, in my opinion, right? Like, even with the Gator standard, it's it's an entire university thing. It was supposed to, it should be, right? And you look at the Gator standard, we're like one of the last to get player-only facility, one of the last to get an IPF. Like, what is the standard? Are we keeping up with the standard of college football as a, in a totality? Like, it's just way deeper than that. You just got to have more, like, rationale as a fan at this point. Like, it's cool to say a standard and hold these coaches and players to some, you know, figmentation of your imagination. Like, it's not it's not real, right? But when you look at it on paper, like, what has the standard been? Like, arms race, we've been one of the last. Mm-hmm. You know, like, the dedication to uh, recruiting and all of that stuff, we've been relying on Florida's natural resources of athletes and kids wanting to come here because they live in Florida. When that faded out, so has the standard faded out because nothing was drawing them here. We didn't keep the standard of, of the facilities and the care of the programs and whatever else it came to pull these kids here. There was no standard. Like you got to have more of a realistic expect, expectations with all of this, man. I'm a cheer. Hoorah. But losing your mind and saying this is not the standard is just not reality. You know, I don't I want to compete for championships every year, but that hasn't been a reality. And I'm not going to. Mm-hmm lose my mind and have rants about coaches every two, three years talking about a standard that don't exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think that, I think you hit the nail on the head and you know, it, we want Florida to be something that Florida historically has not really ever been right. They were a program that during the eighties, you know, had some success with, with Charlie Pell and you had some seasons in there where Florida did okay you know, leading up to Steve Spurrier. And then obviously Steve Spurrier's programs won a ton. You can argue that the SEC was nowhere near what the SEC that we view it now is. Urban Meyer capitalizing on Ron Zook's recruiting and some of the players there, you know, ends up leading that team to a national championship twice, right? They go undefeated that final year of Tim Tebow. And you would have thought Florida went 0-12 during the regular season. I mean, they were calling for benching this and, you know, firing this coach and firing that coach that even when Florida has had success, it's never been good enough, right? And it's a standard that Florida hasn't been able to uphold for the last 13 years since Urban Meyer left or 12 years since Urban Meyer's left. And Will Muschamp had a lot of mistakes. He was run out of 10. Jim McElwain was run out of 10. A lot of people say, hey, Dan Mullins, that guy, he was run out of town. Right now, Billy Napier is being threatened to run out of town. You're already running one of his coaches off uh, of Twitter and you're a year and a half into this experiment as well. Um, I think that the standards that Florida has from a fan base, the reactions to it um, is a reason that no matter whether people want to admit it or not, Florida has the reputation of a fan base that they have. And maybe Florida isn't going to be a school like Alabama in terms of the way that they invest money into that or some other schools that are, you know, there uh, that are investing money like you wish Florida would. Florida is also now the either the number six public school in the country, according to U.S. News World Report, or the number one public school in the country, according to the Wall Street Journal. Florida as a university cares a lot more about a lot of other things than just football. And that's, that's not fact. something that's ever going to change. 
And then nothing's wrong with that. It's just living in reality, right? Like, and I know that about the University of Florida at this point. When you start seeing guys, we've been around this for a little minute now. We're gonna wrap up the show, but we've been around this thing for a little minute. I've been on social media. Everybody wanna, you know, bring up old stuff or whatever, whatever everybody's spin is on this, bro. I'm gonna keep it positive because I'm around these athletes and everybody's easy to be negative, right? I can critique, we critique this entire show. We talked about the the mm -hmm. the, the, the capabilities and, and you know the incapabilities of this staff, you know, the, the ups to downs. We do that every single week. We hold the staff accountable to whatever they're not getting done on the field. But we do it in a way that's digestible and not negative. You know what I'm saying? We watch guys like Michael P. Ryan who love the University of Florida. Kids that came here and sweat blood on the field, you know, they really laying on the line. All you got to do is cheer in the stands. But these same kids that, that sweat and bled on the field have said, yo, we got the, the, the nuttiest fans in the world. And that's just not, bro, you got to look at, like, we're not, I'm not going to enable and say, yeah, that's just every fan base. Nah, bro, I see some goofy stuff and some stuff that's just way out of, like, beyond sports. You got, you guys just got to go touch grass. I keep telling y'all this and y'all think it's a joke, but you really got to go touch some grass. Some of you guys are really unhinged from reality. Mm -hmm. Twitter is not real life, man. Log out. Go hug your kids. Go see your mom. She waiting on you. She need a hug. Mother's Day went by. You ain't go by to see her, but you're cursing that kids. Man, tap in, bro. Yeah. Leave these kids alone. Yep. Now you nailed it. So um, so let's uh, let's hope we meet next week. I think we might be doing a pop-up show midweek, so stay tuned let's for some information uh, there on Wednesday. Uh, but, uh, but think about what we said. We appreciate you guys watching. We appreciate you guys hitting the like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification button. We appreciate you supporting all the sponsors down there uh, as well. Our friends at Gatorverse, Homefield Apparel, uh, Alumni Hall, and Fango Tickets. Uh, and we will see you guys at the same corner, same time next week. Anything, babe. I'll give it my best shot. Tell me just what you need. I'll try to give you everything I got. As I'd search any forest and I'd cross any sea, loved you with everything that I had, but it brought me here to my knees. Given time, I swear I'll give you what you need. Oh, it ain't black or white, babe. It's all the grace between. And I ain't slept a night since you were next to me. And you're not wrong or right, babe. But you're everything I need. As I hold you tight, it's like you're miles away from me And I've tried everything
I still see it from your kitchen, babe As we sit out on the porch in the pale moonlight Singing to the songs that made life better Would it be better if we had more time? Cause I never thought that you'd be leaving No hell I could read your mind Should've made plans, could've made things better Instead of this letter with a short goodbye Goodbye, oh It ain't black or white, babe It's all the grace between And I ain't slept a night since you were next to me And you're not wrong or right, babe You're everything I need As I hold you tight, it's like you're miles away from me Between, and I ain't slept a night since you were next to me. 